Welcome to the Love Revival Aurora podcast. On behalf of Love Revival, I would like to thank you for listening to the podcast. Hope you enjoy this week's powerful message from Pastor Brandon. Have a blessed and beautiful day. You know, the design of God is to be, we should build around his presence. He said, on earth as it is in heaven. You know what makes heaven heaven? His presence. He's the source of life, of peace, of joy. We've built around programs too long. It's time to get back to presence. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We give you all the glory, Lord. All the honor, Lord. is your house we are your people we want to move with you If you're online and you feel the same glory that's in this place, I want you to put it in the comments section. Thank you, Jesus. God bless you, Raul. Thank you, Jesus. He can do much more than any thing we can do. Thank you, Jesus. You may be seated or whatever you want.
<laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Even as I begin to speak, don't allow him to stop ministering to you wherever you're at. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I thank you. I thank you for your presence in this place. I thank you for what you're doing in each heart. That seriously, you are bringing the reality of your kingdom, your original design for the church, for Christians, for family. That just like in the book of Acts, it says that their hearts were knitted together. And I believe you're bringing us back to that model. Where our hearts are knitted together. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that you've given me a word. for your people today. You give me the tongue of the wise, Lord, to speak words to the weary, and you've given them ears of the wise here with intention and purpose. Let your word come unfiltered by my opinions, or let it be the un unadulterated, unfiltered, raw word from your lips from your throne room for this season for this hour for us at this moment and let it carry within it let it be impregnated with the power and the dna of your heart and your kingdom so that i can say like paul I did not come to preach with eloquent speech, but with demonstration and power of the Holy Ghost, so that your faith may not be in the words of men, but in the power of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Glory. God bless you guys. Thank you, Jesus. What was your family again? What, what's your guys' family name?
We welcome the Lee and Cooper family. Amen. They all got the memo. They're all wearing J's today. <laughs> welcome to Love Revival Church. Olive Garden says when you're here, you're family. Well, when you're here, you're not just family. When you're here, you're family the rest of the week, too. So welcome to family. Great job this morning preaching Fred at River of Life. Yeah. I caught the tail end of it. And I'll go back and watch it. And uh, I'm excited. I heard it was about pain and for- forgiveness. It's kind of what we've been dealing with <laughs> in our mm-hmm. You can't have family and unity without pain. You can't do it. They say that almost all mental illness comes from people trying to avoid pain. But true freedom comes when we embrace pain. The Bible says that Jesus died on the cross. And bore our sicknesses, our pain. So that and then he became the conqueror. He became the victor of death, hell and the grave. Because he went through the pain. He didn't run from the pain. He, went, he ran to the pain. <laughs> Anyways, we're going to continue the series called Royal Family. Royal Family. And I, I think we'll be in this for a while. Um... Until the Holy Spirit tells me to shift. But how many know that God didn't just save us from sin, but he saved us into family? Jesus said what? You must be born again. You must be born again. Someone cannot enter the earth and be born without it taking a family. Now, we have went far away from the original intent of family with God, but his design was you cannot bring somebody into this earth without having a family. Actually, when the child is born, the family is born. So when Jesus said you're born again, you're born into a family again. Because everything in the natural, and I'm not going to get into this vein because last time I tried to, people were looking at me like I was crazy. But remember, everything in the natural, it mirrors a spiritual reality. 
So God created family in the natural because nat- family is how they live in the spirit. So, who desires to live as a child of God, free from bondage, and an authentic relationship with God? Who's tired of, religi- of, of living a religious Christianity that is devoid of substance of pow- and power? Who is tired of having a life that doesn't match up with what you read in the Bible? This was the beginning. Like Acts, that's how the church was born. We should be at whole nother levels than that. And I believe that God is raising up apostolic fathers and mothers. And when I say apostolic, I'm not talking about the denomination. I'm talking about people who have the, the blueprints of heaven to build and reproduce spiritually and raise up sons and daughters so that they can become sons and mothers who continue to raise up sons and daughters or disciples. Jesus said, make disciples. Preach the gospel. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Make disciples. Supposed to be a reproducing, continuous reproducing and continuous growth. This generation got here. Now this generation begins here. And it just continues to grow and grow and grow. The, the Bible says that Jesus came and to the increase of his government, there would be no end. Increase. It should continue to increase. Well, well how come we don't see that? Because the Western church is building according to programs and systems for the culture instead of according to the kingdom. And I have, all of us have fallen into this. And I don't think our hearts were doing it in the wrong way. I think we were doing it to draw people so that they could encounter God. I believe that the Lord is releasing divine blueprints that are different than the models and systems that we've seen in the Western church. That the church will no longer be built on programs or known for programs, but known for power. Will no longer be known if they have a singles group or a mother's group, or a, but they'll be known for their love. They will no longer be the blunt or, or the, the brunt of the people's jokes of the world. But that people will respect and honor God, even if they don't want to follow him, they still have a reverence for him because the church displays his true nature and glory on the earth. In the book of Acts, the Bible says that everybody, it says that everybody recognized the power of God through the church. And none of them dare, either they didn't dare to join them or they joined them. But they knew what it meant. When I joined the church, 
It means that the power that I'm going to be joining, literally the agency of heaven, where God's kingdom is manifested, where sick get healed, where demons flee, where depression is broken. It was so strong wherever they went, the government tried to lock them up and stop the move. When I say the move, the move of God, the move of the spirit, the move of the church. And then finally they couldn't, so they just started killing them. But then as they started killing them, they were reproduced even more. <laughs> They're like ants, you know, you, you think you got them all. And then there's like, well, where did all those come from? And I believe that there's an awakening taking place in the body of Christ to bring a reformation, to build according to family, covenant, and tribe, which is how God designed it in the first place. Where church is not a place you go to, but a people that you are. I believe he's revealing the carts or the systems that we have designed according to our desire and our fleshly um, intellect to carry his presence and he's requiring us to turn back to his original design which is a people called by his name unified and powerful carrying the glory and the presence of God wherever they go When you show up anywhere as a Christian, the darkness in that region, the demonic spirits in that region should be scared that you are there. And they should be trying to find a way to retaliate. But most of believers today They're on the defensive. They're trying to figure out where the devils are at so that they can run this way. They're trying to figure out how to avoid conflict, how to avoid losing publicity, losing their status in the earth, losing their status with the media or whatever the government in their region. We should be more worried about losing status with heaven because we are ambassadors and we have, the church is an embassy representing heaven on earth. I better get out of this vein because this is not my message for today. So what's the original intent of God for the church? Let's go to Genesis 1, 26 through 28. Tell your neighbor, get ready. Get ready. I'm going to read out the Passion Translation, which most people probably don't have it because it just got released, uh, Genesis anyway, in the Passion Translation. But it'll be close to what you have. Ready? 
Genesis is the first book. It says, Then God said, Let us make a man and a woman in our image to be like us. So this is literally, let us. God is literally speaking. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They're having a meeting right here. Let us make man in our image to be like us. Let them reign. That's a kingdom word. That's royalty. Remember, royal family. Let them reign over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, the livestock, over the creatures that creep along the ground, and over the wild animals. So that means that we should reign over animals. They should not have the same... Yeah, save the whales, but not over the babies. You know what I mean? <laughs> we'll abort the babies and say, save the whales. We're supposed to reign over. We were meant to reign and rule. I know it's difficult when your dog's so cute and... Your rules is they don't get on the couch, but they're just so cute, and you want to cuddle with them, so you let them on the couch. No one's ever done that, right? <laughs> I swore, like, our dog was not going to sleep in our bed. One night, the dog was super sick, and I felt super bad, and the dog's been in the bed ever since. That was, what, two years ago? Two and a half years ago. That's bigger than I am. <laughs> so God created man and woman and shaped them with his image inside of them. In his own beautiful image, he created his masterpiece. Remember, you're a masterpiece, not just any piece. <laughs> Yes, male and female, he created them. And God blessed them in his love, saying, Reproduce and be fruitful. Here it is. Reproduce and be fruitful. Populate the earth and subdue. The word subdue means take dominion or control. This word implies harnessing of natural resources in an appropriate fashion caring for the earth, cultivating and harvesting its fields, mining its resources, and releasing its potential to benefit God's highest creation, humankind. Wow. He said, subdue it. Reign over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and every creature that lives on the earth. So God's original intent, he created Adam and Eve in the garden. He said, okay, this garden is like heaven on earth. I want you to take this garden in relationship with me and I want you to expand its borders across the whole earth. Wow. Take dominion of the earth. Turn the darkness into light. So the original intent was always 
for God's kingdom to be established on the earth through his people who are in relationship and covenant with him and to reproduce after that model. Wow. Actually, what was the purpose that Jesus came? To seek and save that which was lost. What was lost? Adam and Eve sinned, and they gave over their authority and the dominion of earth to Satan. How do we know that? Satan took Jesus on a high mountain and said, I'll give you everything, all these kingdoms. I'll give you all the kingdoms if you just bow down and worship me. And he actually says, Satan says this, the kingdoms that were given to me. So Satan tricked Adam and Eve out of the authority of the earth. And that's why the Bible says Satan is the God of this world. Because Adam and Eve handed over the keys. You guys tracking with me? That's why they were kicked out of the garden. Instead of bringing the garden into the earth and establishing his kingdom, they fell into the earth. So Jesus came as the second Adam. It actually calls him the second Adam. I believe it's 1 Corinthians 15. Don't quote me on that. He's the second Adam. Why? Because he came to seek and save that which was lost by the first Adam. He didn't eat from the tree, though. He endured till the end and was perfect and spotless. So now he brings back, us back to our original intent, which is to be in covenant with God, to be in covenant with him, to reproduce sons and daughters. That's, that's what the church is called to be, a family reproducing sons and daughters and establishing the kingdom on the earth. Let's go to Colossians 1:17 and 20. You guys learning something yet? Yeah. And I'm going to read in the Passion Translation. I don't know if you guys noticed, but I really like this translation. <laughs> It's talking about Jesus. Actually, let's start. Let's go to 13. We're going to read 13, 14, 17, and 20. Just because, I mean, I want to read it all, but I just don't have the time to. So, he Jesus, he, has rescued us completely from the tyrannical rule of darkness. And has translated us into the kingdom realm of his beloved son. So you're translated from the kingdom of this world into the kingdom of God. A kingdom. For in the Son, all our sins are canceled and we have the release of redemption through His very blood. Now skip to 17. He existed before anything was made and now everything finds its completion in Him. So Jesus came... To set us free by his blood 
and then to bring us into his kingdom. And when we come into him, when we're free from his blood, and he comes and lives inside of us, now we go back to the completion of what he originally wanted in the first place. Now verse 20. And by the blood of the cross, everything in heaven and on earth is brought back to himself, back to its original intent, restored to innocence again. So Jesus came not just so that we could go to heaven when we die. That's good. That's going to happen. He came so that we would get heaven inside of us We would become his children. The church would become his embassy. We would become his ambassadors to then, it's like the Garden of Eden, to expand that all across the world and re-pick up where Adam left off. Adam was so powerful, Satan had to trick him and get Adam to give him the keys. You're so powerful as a Christian, I don't think you understand how powerful you are. You're so powerful that the only way Satan can have power over you, over your family, over your life, is when he can deceive you into believing a lie of who you are not. That's why it's so important that you read the Word of God, that you walk with the Holy Spirit, that you are connected to the church and the body of Christ so that you can walk in your full potential and so that you are not deceived by the lies of the enemies believing that you are not as powerful as you really are. Malachi 4, 5, and 6. That's the last book of the Old Testament. And the prophet says, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And as we learn later, John the Baptist was who he was talking about. John the Baptist came in the spirit of Elijah. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. So here it shows John the Baptist. What did he say? John the Baptist said, I am a voice crying out in the wilderness, preparing the way of the Lord. He came to prepare the landing strip for Jesus to land on. So therefore, when Jesus came... He came to bring back the original intent. What's the original intent? The father and the sons coming together. Fathers reproducing sons. And sons connecting with fathers. He came to restore an orphan people back to family. Lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. What does this say? We are cursed when we don't walk as family. When Adam and Eve ate from the fruit, they were cast out of the family of Eden. 
When Satan sinned in heaven, he was cast out of family. Cursed. That's why the Bible said Jesus had to die on the cross because anyone that's hung on the tree is a curse. Jesus had to take on the curse of us being cast out of family. What Adam did, we also did because we were in his loins. Jesus became a curse so that we could come into blessing. And that blessing comes when we walk in covenant relationship with God and in family. God is desiring to bring a revival of family and covenant relationship in His church. What's the name of our church? Love Revival. Love revival. We come to awaken the love that has been dormant and dead and lost in the Western church. It takes a lot longer to build this way, but it's the only way to build. To love people like Jesus costs a high price. And that's the price that he paid for the church. And that's the price that we are called to pay for each other. Let's go to John 15, 12 through 15. John 15, verse 12 through 15. <laughs> I'm being very calculated in what I say. <laughs> Sometimes I go stick, I could get in trouble for the things I say. I'm not worried about getting in trouble with people. I'm worried about making sure I'm saying it correctly from him. I love you. I love you. However, my devotion to him is on another level. So I have to make sure that my, I say what he wants me to say. John 15, 12 through 15. This is my commandment. Jesus is speaking to his disciples. This is my commandment. And remember, Jesus, what Jesus lived. Okay, pay attention to this right now. This is not in my notes. What Jesus lived was the perfect model of what a Christian should operate as. He is the divine representation of God in the flesh and a Christian fully submitted to the will of God. He is the divine blueprint and model of what it looks like to live as a normal Christian. He said, this is my commandment, 
Everything Jesus says is to prepare them to build the culture of the church that is about to be birthed when he dies. This is my commandment, that you love and unselfishly seek the best for one another, just as I have loved you. How has Jesus loved us? He gave his life for us. Do we see in the church today people who love each other so much that they give their lives for each other? I don't think we do. I've seen people leave churches because of the lights or because of this or that. It's like, you're not going to give your life for me. You won't even... <laughs> you, do, you get upset at lights. Like, this is surface level. Are you willing to die for the person sitting next to you? That's not, like, your wife or your kids. Wow. Come on. No one has, this is what he says, no one has greater love nor stronger commitment than to lay down his life for his friends. When we put the name Love Revival on our church, you know what that meant? We have to become that. Or else we live hypocritically. And God had to do a lot of transformation in me, and he still is and will continue to. And we've lost some people because we're going deeper. And it's okay. Because I'm willing to sacrifice whatever it takes to love as Jesus loved. To experience the unity that the early church did. And to walk as we are called to walk. He said, you are my friends if you keep doing what I command you. I do not call you servants any longer, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you my friends because I have revealed to you everything that I have heard from my father. That word friends, it's deeper than the word friend that we think of. It means intimate friends. And it actually means those cared for from the womb. You are more than a friend to him. For you are born from his wounded side. Intimate friends. Jesus' design for the church is that we would become covenant brothers and sisters 
living in authentic family, fighting for each other, not fighting with each other, laying our lives down, serving each other daily. That's his desire. That's always been his desire. That's always been his intent. Let's listen to the last prayer that Jesus prayed for the disciples and for us. John 17, verse 20 through 23. And I'm only going to read three verses of it. John 17... Verse 20 through 23. Jesus said, And I ask not only for these disciples, but also for all those who will one day believe in me through their message. That's you and me. This is Jesus' prayer and plan and desire. I pray for them all to be joined together as one. As one. Even as you and I, Father, are joined together as one. I pray for them to become one with us so that the world will recognize that you sent me. Jesus was praying that we would be so one, that we would love each other on such a level that the world would know that he's God. Our strongest evangelism, Jesus is saying this, would be that our love for each other. That means that our love for each other should be stronger than any love that anyone that's not a Christian could ever give to any person in their life. You say, Pastor, that's impossible. It is. That's why it takes the Holy Spirit. The church lives in the supernatural realm. We were... You think born again in the spirit, is that just like natural? No, that's not natural. That's supernatural. You are born supernaturally, and you're called to live supernaturally. Supernatural should be natural for you. Ooh, hey. that's that should be your element, like a fish in water, like a bird in the sky. We should live so supernaturally. You ever had the power go out in your house? How uncomfortable is that? I love it. We rely so much on the things that take power that we are just waiting for the moment for that thing to turn back on. And we'll pay whatever price. If that's for natural power, how should the church function? If God's power is not moving, we should be like that in the spirit. We should be like, God, where is the power? What ha something had to happen for this power to get broken because the power is continually flowing. It should take you out of your normal life of Christianity and be like, wait, why didn't this person get healed? What happened? Wow, come on. 
It's not because of their faith, but there must have been a disconnect somewhere. Wait, why do I have this bitterness towards someone? What is that? That, it should be so unnatural. Wow, yeah. Why do I have this unforgiveness? Why do I have... Why do I have this gossip in my mouth? What is going on here? Why, where did the power get cut off? <laughs> That's how connected to God we should be. I said it this morning, before, well, this afternoon. <laughs> before service, I was praying and I, over the mic, in the mic, and I said, many times... We ask the Holy Spirit to come and be in our meeting with us. When in reality, and it's okay, but in reality, this is his house. Like, we're coming to his house. He's already here. He's been waiting for us. (laughs) He's been waiting for us. And the power's on. (laughs) Jesus never lacked power. The only time he couldn't heal people was when they had unbelief. And they didn't believe in who he was. It wasn't that the power wasn't available. But he walked continually with the surge and the power and the flow of heaven. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit descended like a dove upon him and it remained. It didn't go anywhere. We have have got to get to the place where we live in such a way that we always got the Holy Spirit with us and that it's evident to everybody around us. However, today I'm not talking about signs, wonders, and miracles in the sense that, I'm, that I usually talk about. I'm talking about the miracle of supernaturally loving one another in such a way that the world says, wow. Yeah. What saddens me is there's more division in the church than there is in corporate America. <laughs> there's more dysfunction in the family of God than there is in the natural in the in people who aren't even Christians. Like when I lived in sin, I lived in sin. I partied, I did everything. You knew I was a sinner. And now that I'm a Christian, guess what? You know I'm a Christian. We have to live in such a way that we, people can tell there's something about us. We got to love in such a way that we are unoffendable. Yeah. Yeah. You could do all you want to me. But because I love you, And because you're part of my spiritual family, nothing you could say or do could affect my love for you.
It may affect our relationship. Obviously, you don't let people who are doing toxic things. But you know there was so much unity and love in the church in the book of Acts that the Bible says in 1 Timothy that Paul had to take two people and put them outside the fellowship. And he said, I delivered them over to Satan. He was saying, being put outside the church family is the equivalent of being delivered to Satan. That means that we should be living in such unity and such love that being putting, leaving the church or being put outside of the church should be like hell. He said, I put them out in hopes that they would realize what they did and repent so that they can come back into the family. Do we love in such a way that it's like hell when we're outside of the family of Christ? I say we live in a culture where people would rather be outside. However, that's not what God designed. God did not design us to be Christians at home by ourselves with our personal relationships with God and have no connection with our spiritual family. Nor did he call us to go from church to church to church just bouncing around from one powerful service to one powerful service. We have to be part of a family. That's covenant. I will die for you, you will die for me. You're here to serve me. I'm here to serve you. We're here to serve each other. We're here to make this thing work. When I go to my mom's house and there's a party and she's cooking everything, I say, hey, mom, let me help you. When she's cleaning everything, mom, help me. Let me help you clean. Yeah, but you're here at my house and I want to serve you. Yeah, but I'm part of this family. Yeah, hey, come on. When we come to church, we shouldn't be looking, oh, what can I get? How was the worship today? How was the service today? We're not like grading every time we go to mom's house. Are you grading how it's going to, oh, how did she put the lights? Did she play the show I wanted? Was the grass cut perfectly? Was the dog poop picked up? Uh (laughs) Right? Was she wearing what I thought she should be wearing? No, we don't do that. Why do we do that in the church? Wow. Well, how was the seats? How was the lighting? How did Pastora sound today in the worship? How did Pastor preach today? How, what was it like? <laughs> did it meet my customer satisfactions? Well, I'll give it five stars. Yuck. If you think like that, and all of us have been there, I propose to you that we may have been deceived into believing that we are consumers and not contributors and in covenant. Come on. See, me and my wife are married. That means death do us part. It's okay for 
This type of commitment is for those who want, who are called to be members of that specific church family, not for people that are visiting. Anybody that's visiting, we love you. It's awesome. But when we come, when we come into actual church membership, it's not about taking a class. It's about coming in covenant with each other. People told me one day, why do you have people sign a paper after the new membership class? And I said, it's just a symbol of covenant. Why do you sign your check? Why do you sign when you go to the, buy a car? Why do you sign when you buy a house? And the person had the right heart. He's like, well, we, always, we already should be at that level. Yes, but culture has is not at that level. <laughs> In the Bible times, when they said something, they meant it. And you could cash that in at the bank. On their word. Wow. All right, I finish with this. John 13, 35. You ready? Ready. <laughs> not ready brace yourself before I read the scripture I used to always believe that once you're part of a church family and God calls you there that's where you're supposed to stay. However, God has transformed my thinking. You're always called to be connected to that family. If God does call you to move somewhere or to go somewhere or to start a new ministry or something, What's the proper way? The Bible says to raise up disciples. And Jesus sent, sent them out. Hey. So the purpose is to be sent out. Woo. The key is when you're sent out, you're still family. When I left my mom's house, I still talk to her. She's still my mom. Like I'm still, I don't talk to her all the time. Mm -hmm. But we're still family. It's a different type of family. So what's the right way to do it? We bless you. We pray over you. We, we're excited for you for this new venture. And we pray that you leave with the blessing and the impartation. And we stay connected, but you build wherever you're called to build with the same DNA. Come on. Last week, Matthew told me that while I was preaching... At the end of my preaching, he literally saw my pastor, my spiritual father, standing behind me. I don't, I'm going to butcher this because he only told me once. Standing behind me and literally when I said something, it was like he spoke it through me. Hey. What was that? He was seeing in the spirit of a spiritual reality. My spiritual father, although I've been sent out to start my own church and I haven't seen him in months... I operate with the same spirit and the same DNA because I'm his son yeah. in the spirit. The church family 
Same way, if God sends you to go somewhere else, actually Janet was my pastor for 12 years. She's been here for a year. She lives close to the church. She felt led to come here. She's still family with my pastor. But now she's here. So I just wanted to clear that up because God's taken us into greater realms of family. John 13, 35. I finished with this scripture. Amplified version. By this. Circle by this. By this. By this. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. If you preach like me, is that what it says? No. If you pray like me, is that what it says? No. What does it say? If you have love and unselfish concern for one another. That's what we should be known by. The sad fact, if you think of churches, I want you to think of this. Think of churches you've been to and think of what comes to your mind of what you liked at that church. And I want you to ask yourself, was any of that, did any of that, was it love? Did you think worship? Did you think how the pastor preached? Did you think the location, the programs, the children's ministry, the youth ministry? All the stuff that really isn't commanded in the Bible. <laughs> I want people to think of us. When I went there, the way that they loved one another was just mind-blowing. Yeah. yeah, it was a small church and they didn't have a pro they didn't have many programs. They weren't having raffles at the end of service. They didn't have a, a dump, dunk take. That'd be cool, though. Put the pastors in it. <laughs> but, man, the way they loved one another. Wow. Like, it was supernatural. I've never seen anything like it. Like, that was supernatural. That takes the Holy Ghost. Let's become that. Let's become what Jesus originally intended us to be. I used to live the street life, and I could tell you, some of my friends who are in gangs lived more unified than we do. Wow. They lived for each other, and they died for each other. They weren't just there one hour a week. They were there as family. And yeah, not the best. But if that's the world standards, where should the church be at? You know what I mean? Like, that's why I think God's bringing a whole new, he's, he's COVID, it wreaked destruction. I was talking to somebody the other day. They said that churches are probably not going to be able to get back to where they were for the next eight or nine years. 
And I'm thinking in my head, well, I mean, we never really lost anything. But, and I actually got a greater vision of what God wanted me to do because of everything that happened. Because when you move with God, it's like, it's spiritual. It doesn't, it's not affected by the natural stuff. How we do things are different. Yeah, we had to close down the church and we had online. But, but here's the thing. I believe God, I don't believe God caused COVID, but I believe he's using it to do a reset button and to cleanse the church of all the stuff that's not biblical. That maybe not bad, but it's just not his desire right now in this season. And it's not his desire for the church. And we're going back to where the original intent. Come on. We should not be looking at how can we do it like we did it before. No. Lord, what are you telling us to do right now? Yeah. I'm not looking at what the church down the street's doing or what the church down the block is doing. I'm looking at what does the Lord, and the Lord gave me a specific blueprint tailored for us and what we're called to do. I've never seen anyone do it in this way. Just trust me, God is going to be doing some crazy, amazing things. Let's let's stand to our feet. And I want you to pray with me. And I know all of us, all of us can get better at family. All of us. So I'm going to lead us in a prayer. And just repeat after me. And mean it from your heart. Say, Father, I thank you. Father, I thank you. For sending Jesus. For sending Jesus. To die for my sins. And also, and also to bring me back into family. To bring me back into family. Into the original intent. Into the original intent. In which you created me. Which you created me. Forgive me. Forever looking at church. Forever looking at church. For what I can get from it. For what I can get from it. And as its own entity. Instead of a family. Instead of a family. Transform me, Lord. Transform me, Lord. And help me become. Help me become. The church. The church. And love my brothers and sisters. And love my brothers and sisters. The way that you love me. The way that you love me. In Jesus' name. In Jesus Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for listening to the Love Revival Aurora podcast. If you'd like more information, follow us on our social media or visit us at loverevivalaurora.org.